At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Guy Tao, a landscape photographer who expresses himself beautifully through his work. We talk about his background, going from Israel to America, what it's like taking photographs of nature, how he connects without being active on social media, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hello, Guy. It's very nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to be a guest on this podcast. I'm very happy that you're here with everybody. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity. My name is Guy Tal. I live in the state of Utah in the U.S., actually in a very remote little town in Utah, close to the famous canyon country here. I've been working here for a lot of years now. Originally from Israel, I grew up there, served in the military there, taught and studied at the University of Tel Aviv. But 
went on a very long journey to get here. I had a career in technology, eventually decided that urban living and the career-driven life was just not right for me and uh, ended up referring to myself as a self-expressive uh, photographic artist and writer now living very close to uh, the wilderness where I love being. That's amazing. That's such an interesting life story because you had one career and then you changed it to photography and then you moved to another country. Very big changes in your life. I think all of that happened in your mid-20s, right? Uh, it started in my mid-20s. Yeah, I started, I was teaching at the Tel Aviv University at the time. Learning in technology just when the internet started becoming a, a public service. So I was working in internet technologies before it was available to the public. And that opened the door for me to start a career in technology. I ended up moving to California first, lived there for a few years, and slowly made my way further and further away from the mass of humanity and from the, the career-driven life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. And I'm happy that you found a life for yourself uh, that, that works for you. Because uh, as you've mentioned in many of your interviews and in your blog posts and your books, that it's important to pursue a lifestyle that works for you. It's not necessarily something that you need to. There's no specific path that everybody needs to take. Especially as photographers, I think we often feel like we need to find a niche, we need to specialize in something. And uh, more often than, than not, we don't really need to do that. If we do that, then it might not lead in the right direction. Yeah, so, I agree. Speaking of your books, you've written many interesting ones and More Than a Rock specifically is often mentioned on this podcast by different guests. People really connect with the way that you photograph and the way that you write as well about photography. How did you start your journey as a writer? Well, actually, I would, well, say, actually, that, I would that, say that journey that started journey as a reader, started as a, reader, reader a, reader, a very avid reader, reader, reader almost, reader, ever, almost since ever since I learned how to read. I was a frequent visitor to our town library. I think pretty much even before I got to high school, I've already read almost all the books in that library. It wasn't very big, uh, but I've always been a very avid reader and thinking still in elementary school. One of the classes that we had was writing essays, and I just fell in love with it. And I was probably the only one in the class who did, but I just loved being able to put together narratives with specific goals in mind, being able to express myself verbally, creatively. That journey started very, very early for me, long before photography. And uh, obviously, it ended up creating or, or training certain creative skills that I then was able to carry over to photography. Very interesting. And when you became a photographer, how soon after that did you start writing about photography? You know, I, I can't say that I remember for sure. It, it couldn't have been very long because I've always liked writing. So I was always writing about things that were meaningful to me. And so photography for me started as a fun hobby. It's just something else to do while I was out hiking. I was always a, a nature person. I always loved being outside and then started bringing the camera with me to document some of the things that I found interesting pretty much for myself. I didn't really expect to show it to anyone or have it published, certainly not to be my profession. But it grew It grew from there. It became something of a, an obsession and then eventually evolved into a career. So I think it, once it started getting fairly serious for me, I started thinking about it very deeply, which is something that I just do for anything that interests me. And, and probably about that time I started writing about it. But I suspect that my previous history and write very big part in me transitioning very quickly from documentary photography to what to me is expressive or creative photography. Very interesting. Personally, I find that diving deeply into certain topics helps me look at them from a surprisingly refreshing perspective. Sometimes I think I know enough about a certain subject and then I write about it, but then I realize, oh, I need to do more research or I need to do more uh, soul searching. And when I do that, I come up with really interesting ideas for myself. So has writing about photography changed your creative process? I'd have to believe that it did. I can't really tell you exactly when or how. It was a light bulb moment. It was a sudden epiphany. But I think just my penchant or my love of being able to express things creatively started with writing. And then that idea of composing things with an intent, with an expressive intent, 
for me, when I merged in with photography and took over from my original intent, which was just to document things that I found pretty or interesting. In More Than a Rock, you mentioned the difference between simply taking photographs of beautiful scenes and treating photography like a form of visual art. I think there's a fine line between the two. Maybe sometimes people find it difficult to differentiate between them. What advice would you give to photographers who want to go beyond photographing a scene? Well, for me, there's actually a very stark and very vivid line between the two. There are completely different ways to pursue photography. One is objective representation, literally representing things, and the other is subjective expression. It's about expressing things of your own mind. So I would say that one type of photography is really more aimed at showing people what they would have seen if they were at the scene, if they were next to you. And the other is more about expressing something of your inner state of mind while they're out. So it's not about the subject. It's about what you want to express through the subject. So for me, I think the two are, are very different in their intent. And I think one good way of expressing that was by the critic John Sarkowski. He was talking about expressive photography and he said, it's not what an image is of, it's what an image is about. So I think there's a clear difference between pictures of things and pictures about things. That's a beautiful answer. And it's very difficult to achieve that level, especially if you are used to photographing things as they are. That's something I struggled with when I got into photography. I would just see something, I would just photograph it. And it, I didn't know how to express myself through the subject. So do you have any tips for people who want to do that? Yeah, but before that, I would just say that it's supposed to be difficult. It's the, the challenge and the difficulty is what makes it meaningful. Yeah, if it's too easy, it just becomes boring very quickly. As far as tips, I would say study a lot of what's been done in that area. Study a lot of art, art history, some of the philosophical thinking about art. You know, people always ask me if I have a word of advice for creative photographers, and I literally have one word of advice, which is read. Read a lot. There's been a lot. A lot of very, very good writing, a lot of very good thinking done about photography over the years. And a lot of it is available to us, especially in this day and age when we can access a lot of the information digitally. So yeah, get yourself educated as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very good advice. It helps a lot to connect with other photographers and to you just read or get into their minds, see what they are thinking. That can really help you improve your own knowledge as a photographer. Your interview with On Landscape, you said that you feel very fortunate that during the first decade of your journey as a photographer, you didn't know any other photographers. And so that allowed you to develop your style and your relationship with intuitive thinking. What advice would you give to photographers who want to have a healthy relationship with photography while also being active on social media? I would say, first of all, acknowledge that the two of them can be incompatible in some ways. And so my first bit of advice is to not conflate them too much. When you practice photography, when you work on photography, do only photography. Eliminate all the distractions that you possibly can and just invest all of the energy and attention that you have into that creative act, into that photographic act. Don't think about what you will do with your image. Don't think about who may or may not like the image. Just think about what you can do, what you can create uh, photographically. Get yourself immersed in that experience. Try to find that state of flow, that state of extreme concentration. To me, that is the greatest reward that you can get from photography is you get into these states of mind where when you're finally done photographing, it feels like you just woke up from a dream, like you were completely disconnected from the world. And for me, social media kind of contrasts with the word healthy in general. I think it's very useful in some ways and to some degree, but 
overdoing it is very detrimental. And there's a lot of good uh, writing about that. There's a recent book by uh, Johan Hari that I, I would recommend strongly. It's called Stolen Focus. It talks about some of the detrimental effects that social media is having, both in a personal sense and on our culture, on our, on our species. Uh, so I think it's useful to understand some of those detrimental effects that is as tempting and as addictive as it is. It also has some pretty dark downsides. So yeah, I would say when it comes to social media, at least for the way that I work, try to keep it to the necessary minimum, to the useful minimum, and it can be useful, absolutely. But when it comes to creative activity, creative work, being immersed in photography, try to put all that out of your mind completely. Yeah, and that's very challenging to do for me personally. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this who are listening. When I'm taking photographs, especially when I used to be on social media, I would often think about the way it would look online. Like, what would it look like on Instagram? What would it look like on Facebook? How many people would like this? What would it look like compared to other photographs? I would be very annoyed <laughs> with these thoughts, but they would uh, infiltrate uh, my mind almost uh, during every photo shoot. So it does help, I think, to distance yourself a little bit for a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's understandable. And keep in mind that these products, these platforms are designed to be addictive. They're designed to steal your attention. And you have to consciously resist that if you want to avoid the downsides of it. Absolutely. But you, I think you have a Facebook page and you have a website. And that's where you share most of your thoughts through your blog posts. And I think that's a, something that many people do who are not very active on social media. It's still a way to connect, but it doesn't draw you in as much as social media would. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, that's a ratio that, that works. And, you know, in a sense, you know, maybe it's not fair to say, but I feel very fortunate that I gained the recognition and got myself established in photography before the days of social media. Because honestly, if I had to start from scratch today, making it my full-time profession in the age of social media, I'm not sure it would have been as appealing to me. So I would definitely suggest that people become educated about what's really behind social media. It's not just a fun distraction. It can be a lot more than that. Yeah, I did some research a while ago, and that was why I quit. And I remember realizing that it, it was basically taking away my focus. As you mentioned earlier, there's a book on that. And I would find it very difficult in my actual real life to focus on a book. And that was something I would do efficiently, very easily in the past before social media. And I started to realize I can't even sit down and watch a movie for two hours. I need to always look at something or get that dopamine kick. That's a common effect. You'll hear that. And yeah, it's, it's mentioned in the book too. And I've even heard that recently from uh, Sam Harris. I don't know if... Uh listeners know who he is is a, a neuroscientist and he's you know, he wrote a book he's an avid reader but he admitted in one of his recent podcasts that social media has made it difficult for him to concentrate on a book to just sit with a book for a couple of hours and really absorb it and i'm sure that's that's a very common thing that's very common and very scary and for photographers who express themselves through their art you, you want to be focusing on that you want to be in the flow as you said earlier and if you can't be in the flow then it'll be much more difficult for you to be present and to enjoy the process just in the context of photography, it will make you a more anxious person in general, and that's, that's not, a, not a pleasant feeling. Exactly. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level 
by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, make sure to keep listening. We have a special code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld. In another interview, you said that you mostly find inspiration in your inner experiences uh, as opposed to outer, your environment or outer experiences. What experience is providing you with the most inspiration right now? Right now? For me, I spend a lot of my time outside. That's where I get most of my inspiration is I have a very, I guess, complex and rich relationship with the place where I live, with this high desert where I live. Uh, so right now, it's the beginning of winter here, and it has a very distinctive quality for it. The light is completely different from what it was a month or two ago. The sun is lower in the sky. It's further north. The trees have lost their foliage. So to me, I'm always very attuned to these changes and then it helps me connect with the world, connect with my environment. So that's what inspires my mood right now is this transition of the season and trying to find a new kind of beauty and this new way that nature looks to me. But my own psyche is, or my own state of mind is very much connected to these transitions in nature and some in good ways, some in not so good ways because the, uh, the effects of climate change are becoming very evident here in the high desert and that's never pleasant to see. But uh, yeah, I, I would say for me, it's whatever is happening out in the natural world is what connects me to my source of inspiration that makes sense is there a specific season that stands out the most to you as a landscape photographer you know it used to be an easy answer for me i used to always say autumn because it's very colorful it's very cool you know here in the day it can be get really hot in the summer very cold in the winter but autumn and spring have very wonderful weather but i'm not sure that's as much of an issue for me right now I, i think i've lived here long enough and learned to appreciate different things about different seasons uh that now I find some kind of meaning, some kind of beauty, some kind of way to relate to different seasons and different circumstances. And for me, that that really enriches my experience. I don't have to wait for good conditions. It's just always, I just have to go out and no matter what the season is, I know what what connects with that season, what places I should go to, what the light would look like, you know, what kind of subjects or expressions I can uh, pursue in different times of year, different times of day. So it's become a much richer experience for me. It's not really limited to having a favorite season or a favorite time of day. Wonderful. I think it's better that way because then if inspiration hits, when inspiration hits, you just go out and you make the most of what you have and you don't need to anxiously wait for the next best. Yeah, and I think, I mean, in a larger sense, I think it's also a deepening of your living experience to always have something to look forward to, to always have something that inspires you. And also, I don't have to ever plan what I'm doing. I just know that I will go outside. And because I have such a deep familiarity with these places, I always know where to go to find that inspiration. I always know what to expect, what would be inspiring, what would be beautiful, what would work. I'm not a travel photographer for that reason, is I don't like just hopping from one place to another and only spending a short amount of time and having to plan for specific conditions. I just know that anytime I can just go out and find something. It really reflects uh, your relationship with yourself, I think, as a creative person and also your experience as a photographer. As you said earlier, you're attuned to the environment that you're in right now. And again, that's very difficult to achieve. 
really requires a lot of patience and respect for your surroundings. Most worthwhile things are, I think. And so that shouldn't deter anyone from doing it. It takes time, it takes effort, but it pays off. So you sometimes host workshops. So you teach photographers, you help them, you guide them. And I read in one of your interviews that you don't tell people that they're making a mistake or instead you guide them. They ask you, is this composition okay? And you tell them, well, what do you think? What is your opinion on this? And I love that you don't just tell people what to do. You give them the freedom and the space to recognize their own style and to develop their own intuition. What's something that you love the most about hosting workshops and connecting with people? For me, it's the way that I see the results of the, the teaching reflected back. And one of the, I would say, values or, or skills that I try to instill in people is to think creatively and to try to relate their own inner experience. And obviously, I can't tell someone what their experience is. And creativity is about bringing new things into existence. I can't tell someone how to do something that has not been done before and that perhaps I wouldn't think of doing. So uh, really, I'm trying to teach them a way of approaching the subject, approaching the landscape, being mindful both of what's in their environment and in what's happening within their own minds, within their own emotional space, and try to relate the two. And the most rewarding thing for me is at the end of the workshop, when we ask people to show photographs, we make it very clear that we don't need to see masterpieces. We don't grant awards. We don't praise you for the most beautiful image. We want to hear the thought process that went into the photograph. And we see things that, you know, in places that obviously we've all been to together and that are completely unexpected and are very interesting and to see how people relate their own experiences and their own impressions um, of the places that we've been to and photographs. To me, that's very rewarding. So the more unique, the more creative, the more expressive a photograph is, the more, I guess, the prouder I feel that we've managed to help a person achieve that kind of relationship with the medium, with the environment, you know, and hopefully that would enrich their lives going forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I like that you don't give out awards or give praise to a specific photograph because that creates a sense of equality amongst all of your students, I assume. I remember this is kind of unrelated to photography, but I watched a video about beauty standards in a specific country. And the beginning of the video, the creator of the video asked a viewer to compare a couple of photographs of different people and to, in their mind, just judge them and say who was the most beautiful. And then at the end of the video, they placed the same photographs together and asked who is beautiful just in general. And then in your head, you're like, everybody's beautiful. You don't need to compare or say who's the best. Mm -hmm. And so I think in photography as well, it's nice to not say who is the best or it is nice to give awards, of course, and join competitions and the like, but I think it's equally nice to just appreciate everybody for their thought processes because we are all unique in our ways. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think that generally the competitive motive in art can be dangerous. It can be a distraction from personal expression. You know, some of the greatest art that we considered today as great was completely misunderstood and panned in its day. I want to make sure that people don't feel like they have to please me or make me like what they do, that they really are focused on what makes sense to them, what they want to ex express and experience, why they want to express it the way that they do. So yeah, I myself have never entered into photography competitions and I know that upsets some people when I say that, but I don't consider these awards as very useful in helping people evolve creatively. Yeah, it seems like you prioritize the way that you feel during your shoots. You prioritize self-expression, as you said earlier in this episode, and that works for you. And that's definitely something I can relate to. And I'm sure many of the listeners can as well. And yeah, it just shows that you don't need to take a specific path. Some people like being competitive, others not so much. Both are okay, basically. So you said that you are quite spontaneous when you go out and take photographs. It really depends on your mood and the environment. 
when it comes to writing books, I'm going to assume uh, that it's different, right? You have to write a structure or, or are you also spontaneous with that? Actually, that's one of the nice things about working the way that I do is my books consist of writings that I've done for other purposes. So I write articles for magazines, for my blog, for a lot of different purposes. And then later on, I go back and I re-edit and I restructure them into a book format, but I don't design the book in advance. I write articles so I can later fit them into a book, but I don't have to think about that structure ahead of time. So to me, that makes it a lot easier and a lot more spontaneous is that I can then pick my best writing, my best points, and then elaborate on them even further when I convert them into a book. So yeah, I've, I've managed to create this, uh, this very unique way of, of making books. That's very cool. And you've adjusted to your personality and to your comfort zone, right? Uh, it's something that you... Uh, it, is. it is, yeah. In terms of personality type, I'm very low on a personality trait called conscientiousness, which is the personality trait that people have when they do things, when they stick to projects, when they create projects and design projects and stick to them. I just, I can't do that very well, plan very well. And on the other hand, I score pretty high on a, on a personality trait called openness, which means openness to experiences, always allowing new things to present themselves. And so I have a very hard time working in a structured way for a very long time. So this mode of working fits very well with my personality amazing i think this is my first time coming across a photographer who has a similar personality to mine and that's it actually that's pretty common with uh, creative people if you look at psychological research uh yeah a lot of creative people score very low on conscientiousness they start a lot of projects and rarely finish them and they sometimes get distracted very easily from what they're working on and get pulled in other direction yeah no it's very interesting for me i also cannot really commit to a project if it's work then it's and i respect that but when it comes to my free time you won't be able to force me to stick to a schedule. I need to have freedom or else I am not inspired at all. I agree completely. That's exactly how I'm wired. <laughs> what photography uh, products are you currently selling? Right now I'm selling primarily my books and writings and workshops. I also sell prints, but that's a revenue stream that has become a really small trickle in the last decade or so. I still offer uh, small prints for sale, but generally I don't consider it a, a major source of income anymore. Is there a particular book that you've written that you favor of, above all the other books that you've written or, or not? Or do you Oh, that's books? a tough one. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah, in a way, I mean, it was up to me. I'd like people to read them all and that they sort of feed off each other. And some things that I've started thinking about in one book, I then elaborated on in other books, other writings. So, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to, to pick favorites. And I, it's the same thing with with photographs. I don't think I have favorites. In fact, as soon as I finish working on a photograph, as soon as I finish working on an article or a book, I immediately, <laughs> for the most part, lose interest in it and want to move to the next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And yeah, again, it reflects your personality. Uh, so yeah, it's amazing to move on from one thing to another. It keeps you excited in life. You're not just focused on one thing that you created and are afraid that it's the best thing ever. And the next best thing will never happen, basically. That's a common fear, I think, in the art world. I get bored very quickly, and I hate being bored, so I always find ways to fill the void. I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? I pretty much would like to keep working exactly the way that I'm working now for as long as I can sustain it. So I don't have any big goals up ahead. I want to keep writing. I want to keep photographing. I want to keep experiencing the, the natural world as long as I can. So, yeah, for me, it's just I already have what I want. I just want to be able to persist in doing it. That's a really nice answer. And I like your goal. And you're doing so many amazing things, educating photographers and also staying true to yourself as an artist, which I really respect. And thank you so much for sharing your story with the listeners. I definitely enjoyed getting to know you better. And I wish you the very best with your photography journey. Thank you very much. 
It was an absolute delight to speak with Gaitel because I was very curious about him for a while since many of our podcast guests have said very good things about him in his books. And I was very surprised in a pleasant way. I enjoyed speaking with him and I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode. It's very nice to meet photographers that come from different backgrounds and Guy definitely has a very unique background. He's not active on social media that much and he has his own way of approaching photography that works for him. And that to me is proof that anyone can make photography work for them. As long as you're passionate about it, then there's definitely a path for you that will give you fulfillment and joy. I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.